Hello and welcome to another episode of the Book of Sports Season 2. I'm your host, Tim Schooler, with you as always. And with me is Nathan Radiant Brewer. How are you, Dogger? I am good. I'm good. I am radiant after the Raiders' 22-point comeback. So they've they've earned, like- a fortnight, they've earned a fortnight of not being called the Faders for me with that performance. So um, did you like my little pun there? Radiant because you are glowing in the uh, the Raiders' win, but also radiant because it's the Raiders. Did you like that? Yes, I did appreciate that. And yes, I was playing, I was going to comment on it, but yes, you beat me to the punch. It's it's um it's good good when it good when a, when a joke works on multiple levels. So well played. <laughs> And especially when you need to comment on it. This is a podcast of two Christian sporting nuffies who are talking about the relationship between sport and faith. Book of Sports, season two. That's where we're at. And today we are talking about the Canberra Raiders because, Nathan, your beloved Raiders had a, I mean, a phenomenal victory over the weekend. And I um, have slightly more interest in rugby league this year because I've been playing NRL fantasy and I've got a couple of Raiders in my team who did all right. Um, But uh, I'll I'll let you give the great uh, breakdown of the Canberra Raiders um, second half um, performance that got them where they are. So we're going to talk about the Raiders. We are then going to talk about the best comebacks of rugby league Mm -hmm. in our obscure start of the week section and we're going to talk about you as the Canberra Raiders fan who is basking in the reflected glory that comes from a Raiders victory. Yeah. We're going to think about where the concept of basking in reflected glory comes from. We've also got a bit of an expert 11 tactical discussion for those who want an inside word into the world of <laughs> fictional fantasy sports. It's all happening on another episode of the Book of Sports. So, Nathan, take us through the Canberra Raiders' performance on the weekend. Um, set the scene for us. Tell the tale. For those who don't know what rugby league is, what happened? Yeah. Oh, what a game. What a game. So, as our faithful listeners know, I got on for a couple of weeks and grumbled about uh, how our second-half performances are always much worse than our first-half performance. And, and yes, we're, we have the you know the biggest differential between first half performance and second half performance of any team in history, uh, with our first halves being good and our second halves being bad. So you wouldn't believe my dismay uh, when the Raiders went down twenty two six at half time to the Titans, and at one point we're down twenty two nil. I thought, oh my gosh, we're down sixteen at half time, and this is our good half. So you know what's going to happen. What's going to happen in the bad half? Uh, and so yeah, I was sort of riding off sort of a forty-eight to six or a fifty to six loss, you know, at the hands of the Titans as we fatigued and faded. And um, but then the second half started, and you know, a few minutes in the second half, we scored, and oh my goodness, okay, we got a bit of life here, and then we were the next to score again. And we thought, oh, here we go. And the only problem was our goal kicking was so bad. Uh, that we actually needed to score two more tries despite, you know, they had scored four tries for 22 points and um, we had scored four tries for 18 points because our goal kicking had been so bad. And so, yeah, and then right near the end, we um, pinch it and steal it and it's beautiful. Yeah, it was an unbelievable win and it showed that, um, yeah, it made me made me repent a little bit of my uh, my cynicism, my critical nature of the Raiders uh, about how they how they're the faders, and um, yeah, it's uh, I felt bad, but I felt overall I felt very overjoyed that um, any win is good, any win is exciting, but there's no better win than 
the nail biting win where you've come from a long way behind. I can't think of a a better, more satisfying sports win than the come from behind win. So, um, very satisfying weekend for me. And uh, and apologies to Raiders for being so negative and 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 labeling my own team the faders. That's 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 beneath a sports fan to do that to their own team. So. I come to this show both overjoyed and repentant. That's good. Thank you. <laughs> which is a which is the posture of the Christian life, is it not? Um, now, is Brad is Brad Schneider the goal kicker for the Raiders? He is. Well, normally Jared Croker, our captain, is, and he's a very very good goal kicker up in up in the eighties uh, for his percentage, which is very impressive. But. Um, He's getting into his 30s and he's getting regularly uh, injured. So, we're, yeah, we're turning to um, Snyder, which, um, look, the kicks weren't that easy, but two out of five is pretty unacceptable. So he needs to he needs to get that together before it costs us a game down the down the road because we scored five tries to four, but only won by two. So he's, he needs to get that together. Yeah, he's one of the two Canberra Raiders in my... Uh, Mexico Marauders NRL fantasy team, um, <laughs> along with uh, the hooker Tom Starling. So yes. um, yeah. both, um, I think, both scored for me pretty well last week. So hopefully yeah. they can keep up the good work this week for me. Now, Nathan, um, you talked about the you come here repentant and yet joyous. Uh, that is that is the posture of the Christian life, and we're going to get to the. Uh, the Christian implications of what you are doing in enjoying and basking in the glory of the Raiders uh, at this time. We're going to come to that a little bit later. But first, it's obscure stat of the week time. So talk us through well, the best comebacks of rugby league. What do you got for us? Yeah, so there have been some ridiculous comebacks in rugby league. So the Raiders' 22-point comeback um, is the fourth highest point total uh, ever so, there's been a, there's been multiple 26 point comebacks, a couple of 24 point comebacks, and a 23 point comeback. And so, but the Raiders now, I've called them the faders and I've sledged them. But in doing my research for this obscure stat, we have three 22 point comebacks in the last eight years. So in the last seven years, actually. So between 2015 and 2022, wow. we've had three 22 point comebacks. So even more overjoying and and repentance because you know that's um. I think we have the equal most 20 plus point comebacks uh, in history with the Cowboys and the Parramatta Eels. So, um, yes, apologies again. Apologies again to Canberra. I, I've really laid into us. I think I just, you know, call me a fair weather fan. I really just went hard when the chips were down. Um, but I've been trying to work out what makes the most impressive comeback. So, you know, it's. Um, There've been some comebacks, you know, where they've been down by 24, but they've had 60 minutes to come back. You know, so West Tigers they're down 24 nil, but after, but after 26 minutes, so you have got 54 minutes to turn that around. Um, but then there've been other ones like the Panthers. Panthers were down 23 points, 31 to eight, but that was after 57 minutes. So that's 23 wow. minutes, 23 points. So that's you know, so yes, it's not the biggest point total. Uh, to come back from, um, but gee, you didn't have much time to do it, uh, and so yeah, what makes what makes for the best Wait, comeback in, in AFL in AFL circles? They, so in AFL circles, they talk about the uh, once you get outside of a goal a minute needed in the last quarter of game time, it's kind of like impossible to win. And I feel like a point a minute in NRL is 
I suppose, you know, if you need, if you need six points to win and there's three minutes left, you know, there's a chance, but um, I suppose if it's more than six with more than six minutes on the clock, it's getting very, very precarious, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of more inclined to the slightly smaller comebacks with way less time than, uh, you know, a 24 yeah. point, 24 point deficit with 60 minutes to go, you know, you chip away, you're going to try before half time, maybe get a penalty goal and, and then, you know, you can sort of grind away the second half. So yeah, doing 23 points in 23 minutes. That's a, that's a big, that's a big win in my, in my opinion. Yeah. Very good. That's a good obscure start of the week. Now, speaking of comebacks, Nathan, you will need to come back. Uh, you will need to make a comeback of your own in AFL tipping uh, because you are sitting seventh out of seven in the Booker Sports competition, uh, tied there with Nick Baglin uh, on nine tips out of two rounds. Uh, there was a good little round by Santa Bath Hack, which is yours truly. Got six out of uh, six out of nine last week, so he's pretty happy with that. Timmy Schooler, um, and if if the who was the margin game? Was it Carlton? Oh, Whoever boy. it was. First game of the I week. I was, um, I was, yeah, I was four. I can't even look at it now. I, but I was, um, I was five points away and there was a, and they scored a point in the, um, in the last 30 seconds of the game. And if that was a goal, then I would have got the margin exactly. So yeah. it was a little bit dirty about that. Yeah. Uh, but the Swans Bulldogs tonight is good, and so make sure you get on for your tips if you have not yet done so. Um, yeah. Now, before we get on to uh, correct, only person who gets six. Yeah, yeah everyone else. Everyone uh, else. Tip Carlton again. Yeah. Good one. Yeah. Yeah. So everyone, you tipped Essendon over Brisbane. That was a very brave tip, wasn't it? <laughs> Fortune favors the brave. So you know. Yeah. I'm, you I'm did tip to- Hawthorne over Port. So that was, yeah. Yeah, the problem is I don't know. Anyway. I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. So I'm just, you know, I'm just, I'm just throwing some things out there and seeing what sticks. And you know, as the season goes on, it gets a little bit easier because I can start using the ladder and the odds, and then you know, it's a bit more informed estimate and guessing rather than just completely blind guessing. So as the season goes on, you'll you'll, you'll see me hit my straps a little bit more. So just 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 watch your back a little bit for that. I look forward to it. I look forward to it. But I consider that to be an empty promise at the moment. <laughs> uh, we we, we want to give our listeners, it's, it's a while since we've given Book of Sports listeners an insight into the world of Expert 11 mm-hmm. and uh, such an important and fascinating world it, it is. Uh, we thought it's time to give another, another little update because there's a bit of a comeback going on in the world of Expert 11. So for those who haven't uh, listened to every episode we've ever done. Uh, Expert 11 is a fictional football fantasy game. That is, you pick a fantasy football team, but it's not based on actual players. It's their computer-generated um, identities. Uh, and they're just just—they're essentially just a combination of statistics. And then you put your team together, you set your tactics for matches against other people who have done the same thing, and uh, there you have an expert 11 game and a season and you are developing your players year on year and you are form training them through the year and all these sort of things. And we're now into season 33 of the expert 11 league that Nathan and I are a part of. And I was the first person to start the league. I was the only person who had played before the league, uh, like in another comp before our league started off. And in the 30, 
after 32 completed seasons, I've won zero titles. <laughs> but this could be the year. This could be the season. After eight long years of slogging away and uh, trying to make this work, this could be the season where it all, it all comes to fruition. We are six rounds in. My team, Windstrain, are undefeated. We've won every game. We're in second place behind Matt Thompson, who is also undefeated. And we are, what we're going to do, because we because I play Matt on Sunday, a couple of days' time. And so what we thought we would do on the podcast is talk through the tactical preparation for that game. And this is a test because we don't think Matt listens to the podcast. If he does listen to the podcast, <laughs> he'll know my tactics and there he goes. He gets the win and the comeback's off. But... Um, We'll see what happens. Uh, so, Nathan, you've done a bit of a work. You tried to put yourself in Matt's shoes. Tell me, what do you think he's going to expect my tactics to be and uh, what would you do tactic-wise if you were him? Yeah, I think um, Expert is a fascinating game because there's the game itself and then there's the relationships uh, relationships outside the game, the politics of the game, Um if you will, and uh, if I'm Matt, I'm feeling I'm feeling the pressure to get at least four out of the six available points in my matchup against you because um, you know in the, to you have some favours in the uh, in your back pocket from uh, certain players such as myself. So in the back end of the season, if Matt leaves it to a for and against battle, uh, he's going to be left painfully short. So um, so if I'm Matt in my head, um, I'm thinking, gee whiz, I need I need four four points out of six. I need to win that battle to get my fire comes comes down to four and against. I've lost. Um, and that's and, and that's helpful because it's uh, it's a it's a win strain home game on Sunday. So Matt is playing away. My team is at home. And if he's gunning for four out of six, I think you're probably right and that's what he's hoping for. He's he's pretty content with a draw in this matchup. Yes, yes. So I'd be digging in um yeah, I think you both. I looked at both of your squads. You're both at full strength. Like there are variables. Like if you had one of your best players injured, you go, "Who cares? That I'm away. I'm going for the win anyway." But you're both at full strength. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty content. If I'm mad, I'm pretty content to walk away uh, with a draw. And so you know, I'm going to bog the game down um, away from home. Uh, and and if I'm you, you know, I'm, I don't even know if I'm upset about that. You know, I think um, yeah, I think. Because you need, to, if, I think if you get two draws in this matchup, you you win the title, um, and so you're not you know, upset <laughs> about that. But um, but you know you might also argue that if I win, then Matt can't possibly win the matchup, and so it's, if I win this game, then the worst I can do is draw the matchup with Matt, and then I you know I've got I've got the inside lane into the title anyway. So that could be the argument. But I think the danger. So your team is slightly stronger than Matt's. Um, I've done I've done the maths and gone through your various formations, um, but if I'm Matt, I think in getting a win against you, I need I want a high chance game. I want the game to come down to strikers and goalkeepers because he has the best striker in the league in, in Miroslav Storzenhocker, and he has the uh, the best keeper in the game in Kamstrut. So I would rather play a game where it's six chances to four than a game where it's one chance apiece. And so if I'm that, I'm 
I'm actually going to try and put the pressure on your goalie and your striker and, and let's let's make it a high chance game. Let's throw a bit of caution to the wind because if it's low chances both ways, then it's just pretty much potluck who's going to win. But um, if it's high chances, then it starts coming down to averages and stats and numbers. And Stalls and Hocker, he's only 29 and he's got eight top three finishes in, in, in the goal scoring title uh, in his career already. So ever since he's 21, he's been a top three goal scorer in our league. And, still, and Cam Strary's keeper has the best save percentage in the history of our league. And so, yeah, if I'm Matt, I want high chances. I want stats to be coming into it and I want... I so want talk, to... talk us through how, that, how he's going to manufacture that, Nathan. So for people who are not familiar with the game, you can set your formation. Uh, yeah. And so Matt has been playing a 3-5-2 formation all the way through this year, which is weaker in defence, strong yes. in midfield, balanced yeah. up front, but his two strikers is um, yeah. stores and whatever his stores face is that you've said. Yeah. yeah. Isn't it Stolz and Hofecker? <laughs> Probably, I don't know. Um, and then he's got a, a young guy who's developing, Abe Abraham, who's a 16-year-old five skill. And so yep. um, yeah. a prodigious talent, but he's not going to be contributing much on game day to the score yeah. sheet, you wouldn't have thought. Yes. And so um, Matt has sort of he, – he's basically, unless you can see an alternative to this, he's basically locked into that formation. He's not going to mm. be able to do anything else with yeah. that. It's a reasonably attacking formation, so it might work with what you're suggesting yeah. anyway. Yeah. Um, but the the playing style, you can play defensive, ultra-defensive, very offensive, cautious. You know, you can be sort of around there. You're suggesting that Matt's going to be playing an offensive or yeah, a normal? I think, yeah, I think your team is too good and needs to be respective. So I don't, I respect it. So I don't think he can go offensive, but I think he can go normal. Uh, and if I'm him, you get to choose who you tightly mark in the game and common places to to tightly mark a midfielder. That's the safe, logical play. Um, but if I'm Matt, I'm putting pressure on your back line and I'm, I'm taking out one of your 18 skill defenders, one of your top-level defenders, and I'm, and I'm back in my midfield uh, to to take control of that battle anyway because uh, I, I think your back line's a little bit more impressive than your midfield. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tightly mark one of your defenders, take them, out of, take them out of the game. I'm going to play reasonably aggressive and I don't mind if I concede five chances because, you know, from your guys because, you know, I'm going to back my keeper to keep that to one goal even if you have five chances and then I'm going to back, you know, Storzenhocker to, um, you know, if he gets four or five chances to knock away a couple. And so... Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna attack, and it's it's a gutsy move. And Matt is generally prone to being a bit more defensive, but I think um, I think if he looks at the league and, and looks at the way the games are going to go down the course of the season, I think he's going to realise I need to win one of the at least one of these two games, and maybe even both. So um, yeah, so he can't he can't walk away with even points. And so, but if I'm you, I'm doing the exact opposite. I'm very happy to bog this game down. I'm very happy for it to come down to one chance a piece, boring as anything. Um, and so I'm, I'm looking at my 4-4-2s, my 4-5-1s, uh, and just having multiple defenders to match up with these two strikers and just bogging the game right down. And just, you know, if, if Matt creates three chances across the two games, that would be a good result for you. And, and you walk away with two draws, then I think unless something goes wrong, um, you, you, you would be the percentage uh, favorites for the title so what what if you're matt what what formation are you tipping me to play because because i i'm not in the same position as matt i'm not locked into one formation i've played three different formations my last three games i've played a four five one three five two four four two um so defensive 
is the four five ones a very defensive formation, three five two is an attacking formation, four four two is a balanced formation. Um, if you're Matt, what are you expecting me to play? Yeah, that's a good question. So if I'm putting myself Yeah, I would expect a four five one or a four four two. And so that would be um and that would be the argument for you to shock him and and go offensive yourself and take three five two and take the game to him. Um, but because the other the, the other data point that Matt's got in there, which he can see, is that when I've played you and Jono, which are other strong teams this season, I've played three five two against them. Yes, yeah. And the other option Matt has is because you you choose for which formation you prepare against. He could play it safe and prepare against none, and so you don't get any. He doesn't. He doesn't get the advantage of picking the right formation, but you don't get a massive boost um, of of him incorrectly guessing your formation. So, um, yeah. So, yeah. So that, that's the other option for him. So yeah, I'd be um, I'd be inclined to do that as well if he want, if he wants to play it more safe, particularly away from home. Whereas at home, I might take a swing and, and see what happens. So okay. So at this point, this is where I, I reveal what my tactics currently are. I say currently are, they will probably change 20 times before Sunday. I, I'm i very nervous about Matt picking my formation, mm. right? So for those listening in, the the challenge, if, if, you, if, you ha- if you're in Matt's position where you set the same formation every week and someone um, prepares for it, that is they set the, they, um, they say, in the tactics selections, I'm preparing against a three-five-two formation, uh, which is what I'll do for Matt. There's, it's pretty. You don't gain a whole lot by defending for it, but if um, there's not a whole lot um, that the other team loses by coming up against you, so they have. Um, so Matt, his squad's very good at, at the three-five-two because they they they've played a lot of it recently. My team will defend against properly. It's kind of basically cancels each other out. For my uh, situation. I've played three different formations in the last three weeks. Mm-hmm. If Matt picks the formation that I play and prepares yeah. against it, then I'm in big trouble. Mm-hmm. But if he doesn't pick it, if he, and if, especially if he picks something that prepares against a formation that I don't play, then I get a bit of a boost. Not a massive boost, but a, enough to make a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the situation. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit paranoid, Nathan, about about Matt <laughs> picking my formation. So what I've decided to do is come onto a podcast that is public information and tell you what I've currently got. <laughs> I'm currently looking at my tactics page, mm-hmm. and I've got a three four three. Here's my logic: yeah. Matt's Matt's forward line, although there's Dozen Hofecker, who's yeah. very strong. It, yeah. For a two-man forward line, it's not a strong forward line. Yeah. Um, and so I don't feel like, I, considering how strong some of my individual defenders are, I don't feel like I need a super strong back line. Three defenders, yeah. um, two with two, with a couple of 18 skillers in there will be more than adequate. So yeah. I don't need a 4-5-1 or a 4-4-2. Um, but because of the strength of his goalkeeper, mm-hmm. I want to have as many... Uh, high quality chances as possible, and so I feel like I want a really strong forward line. I'm not sure that with my forwards, two players is enough to get that done, and so I'm putting three forwards up there, and then I've got four very strong mids with a strong mid to come on as a sub. Um, now this might all change before Sunday, but that's currently <laughs> what is uh, that's what is currently in the works. <laughs> Yeah, it's a um, 
it's a risky strategy. He wouldn't pick it. I mean, unless he listens to this podcast, but um, yeah, I don't know. It's a, you know, it, it does work for you. You've got some good results by playing some wild formations. Like I, yeah, I'm very much a, you know, pick and stick uh, to your own, to your, your formation. So um, yeah, it's just risky in that if you, if you hand mat the midfield battle, then um, where I think you can go toe to toe with him. Um, yeah. Yeah. He's losing the midfield battle going to cost you especially if he does the ballsy move of, of tightly marking one of your defenders um yeah anyway lots yeah. to think about lots to think about in, in the tactical battle and two good teams but i'm feeling your team is yeah, i was looking through your players stats anyway they're overperforming they're playing at a very high level they're all punching above their weight right now so your team's just in a golden run of form and you know maybe that's the time to risk it and if you if you win that game if you win one of these two games against matt then man i think yeah, you know, I've, I've, you've blown some pretty bad games in the past, so I don't want to say it's in the bag. <laughs> There's no guarantees, certainly. <laughs> it's not in the bag, but yeah, you, like I said, you're in the inside lane, you got the inside track, and um, and you would definitely become the odds-on favourite um, based on the people who uh, owe you some favours uh, in, in the back end of the season that Matt, you know, he's to his, he um, hasn't given anyone any favours in the past, and so if when he comes knocking, he's going to be roundly rejected. Um, so... Uh, whereas you've you've been very kind to others in the past, and, and they will they will owe you one uh, down the back end of the season. So, yes, if you can if you can split points here, you, you're you're almost home. You're not you're not fully home, but you're almost home. Well, we'll see what happens. We'll give a full report next uh, next week on the Book of Sports podcast. So listen listen up for more riveting Expert Eleven chat. If if you're listening to this and you want to be a part of the Expert Eleven action, then just send us a DM and we'll make sure that you get uh, included in all, all of it next off-season, which is probably a couple of months away. Uh, Basking Reflected Glory is something that we were talking about. Um, I, I'm sure it came up at one stage last season. Nathan reckons it didn't. So in the interests of comprehensiveness and recognising that even if we did mention it, probably the chance of it being recalled uh, is minimal. So basking in reflected glory, here's a Wikipedia definition for you, Nathan Brewer. Basking in reflected glory is a self-serving cognition whereby an individual associates themselves with known successful others such that the winner's success becomes the individual's own accomplishment. Mm. The affiliation of another's success is enough to stimulate self-glory. So what... the reason why we're talking about this is because you, as the Canberra Raiders fan, feels reflected glory mm-hmm. when 15 individuals in green shirts throw a ball in the right direction and cross the certain white line on the ground and put the ball on the ground <laughs> enough times that they beat the, the other team at doing that. Because they have done that and because you identify as a Raiders fan, you have a self-serving cognition where you associate yourself with the success of the Canberra Raiders and that becomes your own accomplishment. You are now the Canberra Raiders fan who has been successful. You have a, you've had a win this week and the affiliation of you to the Canberra Raiders' success is enough to stimulate self-glory. You feel like you've kicked a goal this week. Now, Quite humbly, you have come to this podcast in repentance and contrition because of your former uh, lambasting of the Canberra Raiders. Uh, fair enough, too. But basking reflected glory is uh, is the term. You know, I first came across this term, Nathan, in um, 
uh, my university days. So I studied a Bachelor of Business at UTS and one of my majors was in sport management. And I did a, um, a subject on, I don't know if it was sports psychology or if it was sports marketing or if it was something, but this term came up, burging, basking in reflected glory. And I've always uh, enjoyed it since. There's also another one, I think, which is um, worthing. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, was it worthing? No, murfing. Mourning in reflected failure or something like that. Mm-hmm. But that's the, um, or wailing in, I don't know, something like that. Um, <laughs> but that's not your week this week. You're burging, you're basking in reflected glory. And it's the success of the Canberra Raiders that allows you to have your own self-glory stimulated. And this is a, a, a gospel thing because you were mentioning before that, you know, the combination of joy and repentance uh, well, we saw that as the, the picture of the Christian life, and that's where you come to the podcast today. But basking in reflected glory is a very Christian thing as well, because we come in repentance as Christians. We recognize our own failures. We recognize our own weakness. We recognize our own inability to um, to be the kind of people who we know we should be, to live up to God's standard, to all of that. And it's the glory of Christ who has lived the successful life that we couldn't live, who has died the death that we deserve to die, who has risen from the grave and ascended to uh, power and is ruling over the universe. It's his success and his victory and his glory that we are affiliated with so that we know that we are successful. We are um, the victor. And I just think there's a... Um, there's an interesting parallel about the joy that you feel as a Canberra Raiders fan this week with the fact that Christians week by week go to church to sing and to celebrate the fact that Christ has risen from the grave. He's, pa- he's paid the penalty for their sin and has, um, and is the glorious King. Mm-hmm. So we are, we are all burgers, Nathan. Yes. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, to give you two ridiculous sporting examples recently for me and me burging was, yeah, so obviously on the weekend when um, when the Raiders completed the comeback, you know, I was, you know, yelling, we did it, we did it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do anything. Yeah, I was just sitting on the couch. Um, and so it's funny, yes, I'm, I'm basking it. Not, I should really be saying they did it, they did it, but no, it's, it's we did it. Um, and then I think the more funny one was... Um, me and my mate watching uh, Liverpool in the Carabao Cup final against Chelsea. And when we won, uh, even though we were sitting on a couch at 5am in the morning, eating light and tangy chips, drinking milkshakes and, and eating lollies, uh, and they were doing all the work and we were one of five minute delays. We didn't even see it live and and we weren't even in the same country. But again, we, we were up and clapping and jumping around, yelling that we all did it. Um, and so, yes, we, you know, you, you sort of take... Um, you take uh, pleasure in that um so that's two funny uh, sporting examples for me but yeah in terms of christian isn't it, isn't it interesting too though that when that we're far more, far more likely to say we did it when the team wins but if they're shocking oh gee they're shocking today yes and you sort of... the Canberra Raiders suck in the second half yes. <laughs> look how victorious we are <laughs> it's true <laughs> Yes, I was very keen, keenly distancing myself and uh, and yeah, giving them the nickname the Faders. Anyway, yeah, a couple of weeks ago, but you know things change. Um, 
And but yeah, in the Christian life, there is a little bit of legitimacy to it because you know I think in Romans six, it's where Paul says you know by faith we're united with Christ, and so we become united, united with Him in His death, and then we're also going to be united with Him in His resurrection. And so obviously Christ did all the hard work, and He's the one who physically died, and He's the one who lived a perfect life, and yet we get to share in that glory, and we get to say we did it because. Uh, he substituted himself for us, and, and he and we he allows us to be united with him. And so, yes, he deserves all the credit, and yes, he deserves all the glory. But uh, Jesus, in his generosity, allows us to share in that and to be united with him and share uh, in his glory and in his resurrection. So well, that's right, because I mean Romans five, just before Romans six, talks about Adam and Christ. Right, as our, we're either in Adam, the first man who sinned and rebelled against God, and we are. In him, that is, we are united with him, we are associated with him, and therefore we are sinners guilty of judgment, or we are united with, associated with Christ, who is the second man, and we are associated with his his victory and the punishment paid for sin, and therefore we share in his, his victory and his glory with him. And so the Christian worldview is to say that we have been created as humans to be in Adam or in Christ. That is, we it's part of how God has made us to be bask in reflected glory or failure, you know. Um, the alternative is to say that if we come from a, like a naturalistic materialistic um, materialism sort of worldview that says you know there is no God, there is no creator, then somehow we've evolved to the state that uh, we like uh, basking in the glory of sports teams and the success of others. We've just sort of, um, we've come to this state. It's a, it's a morally sort of neutral thing. It's just sort of something that happens and there's, uh, I don't mean to be unfair, um, but there's no, like, I, I don't mean to be unfair to those who have a, a naturalistic worldview, but there's no, there's no meaning in it. There's no, um, there's nothing right about being the victor. There's nothing right about being on the side of the winners. It's just, there's chemicals in the brain that say that give you a little kick when that happens uh, and i think the christian worldview says no 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 it's we've been created for this purpose to to bask in the glory of others uh of specifically of another christ and that when we engage in sport and our team wins and we haven't done it but the, there's someone who's been victorious in our place we there's something i think religious that kicks into gear in that in that moment and say yeah that's a little taste of how we ought to relate to christ mm. yeah yeah, I think, uh, yeah, it's, it's a, another example of just sport giving like a little dim shadow of sort of the ultimate experience of, of glory and, and satisfaction. And yeah, some of the highlights of my, you know, of my life, not the not the biggest highlights, but some of the really joyous moments of my life have been sporting victories. And yet the satisfaction fades after a day or two. Like even just Liverpool winning the Carabao Cup was so good. But like 48 hours later, it's like, okay, all right, there's a Premier League game on tomorrow. I'm just going to watch that. And now I'm stressed that I want Liverpool to catch Man City in the Premier League. So it's like this huge, glorious 
moment, but it's just a dim shadow compared to the glory of Christ because it's it's temporary and you forget about it and it's on to the next one. Whereas yeah, the glory of Christ never fades and, and never dwindles. So it's a sport being a, a real pointer to a better glory and, and a better satisfaction as well. Amen, brother. Amen. Hopefully those listening in, you guys have heard uh, some interesting things and hopefully it's been a stimulating little discussion. Uh, hopefully you're a little bit more interested in the world of Expert 11 and um, and maybe even the Canberra Raiders. Uh, if you appreciate this, make sure you uh, like and subscribe all the stuff on socials. Um, Make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcatcher. That's where it'll be released every week and you will get all the things that you need to know. Get in for your AFL tips. Get in for another weekend of sport ahead. There's good stuff. Swannies and Western Bulldogs on tonight. Who are the Canberra Raiders got this week? Let me tell you. Sorry, I didn't know, but then I forgot. I'll... Someone very important. No, Expert no. 11 matchup. Win straight versus forgotten. Put us in for a loss, but um, yeah. You might be repenting of that statement again next week. <laughs> No, we struggle against the Seagulls for some reason, even when we are really good. Don't know why. They just have the edge on us. Just weird. Well, it's a great weekend of sport ahead, so make sure you enjoy it. Make sure you let it point you to Christ and bask in the reflected glory that has come for you through him. Until next week, Nathan, see you later. See ya.